Well, Dudley will be back with us next week, and he's with us today in prayer, and, and his love is with us. But it's my great pleasure now to introduce the speaker for the day, which is Alistair Geddes. Now, he's not new anymore. He's part of our family. He's become a, a real regular guy around here, and we enjoy hearing him. I look forward to what he has to say today, some really powerful stuff to share with you this morning. So, Alistair, would you come ahead and give us the word today? Would you give a round of applause for Alistair? He raised this up because at the first service he kept it down and I mocked him a little bit. So I'm still mocking him. I think, I'm, Jeff, just to clarify, I think Jeff mentioned that there would be one service next week, but he said at 9.30. I think it's 10.30, right? Next, next Sunday morning, one service. 10.30. It's all right. I want to correct pastor, the pastor when he comes back because last Sunday or the Sunday before, whenever it was, he pronounced the capital of my city. The capital of, did some of you heard that? Oh, yes, Scotland, right? Did you hear him say Edinburgh? Right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a word with him. It's, it, it should be Edinburgh, B-U-R-G-H. How do we get Burra out of that? but it's Edinburgh. I don't know how we got it, but that's what it is. Um, just before I, I start this morning, uh, Dudley, Dudley, the pastor, was supposed to be in Cuba this, this week, um, speaking with pastors to the church in Cuba, but he's not there. Chris, his wife, was taken into hospital this week and has been in hospital for a few days with pneumonia. She's out now, so um, he's, he's tending to her today. So please keep them as a family, especially Chris, of course, and as a family in your prayers. They do so much uh, around the church, and there's so much pressure on them uh, that I'm sure that she's probably overexerted herself or something to that effect. But so please remember them in your prayers this week. Thank you. I, I'm, how many of you remember my message to you the last time I was here? Oh, good. All right. I was talking about, I had this, this thing from two animal, two birds from the book of Job. One was a, a flapper. The ostrich flapped and got nowhere. And the eagle soared in the wind. And no, not, that's not what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to talk to you about keeping into the theme that Dudley has been following about looking at 2020 through the, the gospel glasses of how God views certain things in our lives. Um, and I'm going to take a, my, the basic of my message, the, the message is entitled, How to Soar in Tough Times. How to be like that eagle and soar in tough times. Many people come to tough times and they flap. But the Word of God teaches us how to soar in tough times. Now, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable to you this morning and in, in releasing to you a little bit of my personal story. Before I do that, the basis of the text of the message this morning is taken from the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Paul the Apostle had a part of his ministry, which was mentoring younger guys. He was a spiritual father. 
In fact, I've taken that as a part of my ministry as well, of having spiritual sons. And Paul had a special, particular spiritual son whose name was Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, he addresses his, Paul addresses his younger man and says to him, he gives him a charge. And he says to Timothy, preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Paul was telling Timothy that you'll enjoy in-season times, but you'll also face out-of-season times. Now, it's very simple and very easy to enjoy in-season times. What are in-season times? What do in-season times look, look like in our lives? Good times. When our marriage is working, when our kids are thriving in college and not on drugs or meeting with the wrong crowd, when our 401ks are soaring, when our investments are working, when the economy is great, when I'm strong and healthy, when my job is going well, when life is in order, these are what we call in-season times, and we love in-season times, and why shouldn't we? But Paul cautions Timothy and says to Timothy, be prepared for out-of-season times. Now, this morning, I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you about out-of-season times in my life and in my family's life. Because I think through this experience, I have learned, and I hope that you can learn as well. You may, if you've been attending here when I've been speaking, that the last couple of times I've alluded to but not being forthright about some of the out-of-season times in my life. This morning, I'm going to tell you about these out-of-season times because I believe that my out-of-season times and how we handle these out-of-season times, I, you don't need me to tell you how to handle in-season times. You do very well at that. But perhaps if I've had out-of-season times in my life, it may be able to help you during your out-of-season times in your life. I've been doing this gig of preaching for 50 years plus. I've seen the ups and downs of life, but I haven't seen anything close to what I've experienced the last two years. It started two and a half years ago when my wife and I were in Washington, D.C. with our son, and a phone call came from our daughter that said, Dad, I've got breast cancer. That was devastating enough because at the time we were up in D.C. was to support our son who was going through divorce. Well, we took the news. We, I mean, how do you take news like that? Fine, we'll be, we'll be right home, we're very sad, and, and home we went. And everything seemed to be going well, in, in a sense. Our daughter had a double mastectomy. All that went with that, Asian and chemo, lost her hair. And we thought, however, that everything was taken care of, and after a, a year or something, she was on all of this chemo, all this time and radiation, and we seemed to think it was taken care of. 
And as is our usual custom every year, Carol and I go to Scotland, to St. Andrews, to play golf. Scottish friends out here this morning. And to see family and do the family thing as we do every year, we go for about a month. Middle of summer, still cold weather. In fact, they said that Scotland, the, the summer was on a Wednesday last year. You remember, you, you in your life, you remember places where you were when major events took place. Some of you will remember when John F. Kennedy was shot, where you were. All of us probably remember when the towers came down and where we were. Somehow that is in other people's worlds, not, you, not my world. So Cal and I are in a small street in Cellardyke, near St. Andrews in Scotland. I remember it very clearly because we were looking in the window of this place because it was a Chinese takeaway. And we were going to get Chinese takeaway, of course. The phone rang, FaceTime. It was our daughter from the US. And we had the phone and there she said, Dad, I've got brain, brain cancer, and the surgery is tomorrow. Your world falls apart instantly. Okay, Laura, we'll be home as soon as we can, but we'll stay here till you've been through the surgery tomorrow so that we can know that you came through it okay, and she did. And we got home, and. We seem to think seemed to be okay. They got, the, they got the cancer out of the brain. And it, it was cancer that had metastasized from the breast into the brain. But the news was not good eventually. It went into her spine and went through her brain. And that was July of last year. And so this last, the journey has been from July until now, We've had to go through this out-of-season time. Now, what does a man do after 50 years of preaching and all that? What do you do with something like that? Who prepares you for that? We prepare for in-season times. We buy cars. We buy homes. We do all this stuff, but who prepares you for out-of-season times? We don't prepare for that. And then you begin to think, 50 years of service to God, surely you can get a pass. Surely there's some sort of Christian out-of-jail card. Get out-of-jail-free card for services rendered. Kingdom services rendered. Sign God. No. I've learned more about, the, about God in the last two years than I'd learned in the 48 previous years of my Christian journey. What I'm telling you is the pers my, our personal story of walking through out-of-season times. But I'll tell you something, folks. I have learned so much 
in the last two years of this journey, or two and a half years of this journey, and it's that that I want us to embrace this morning, because I know that you've all had in-season times. Gosh, just living in America is an in-season time. The homes you've got, the families you've got, the blessings that we've got as a nation, as a country, these are in-season experiences. But if you haven't been through an out-of-experience time in your life yet, you will. And how are you going to face that? I've learned so much. The interesting thing is, we're a Christian family. Our daughter is a wonderful believer. And through being, being bedridden now, she's under hospice care as we speak. End of life care. Without a miracle, she won't survive. Of course, we pray, and of course, we believe. And I'll tell you, that wonderful daughter of 42 years has never said anything that would say anything. But the other day, she said, praise God anyway. And a wonderful son-in-law that serves God and leads a Bible study. But you're not prepared for out-of-season times. The loss of life, the news of cancer, the thoughts of bankruptcy, the letter of divorce, the arrested kids. A lady after the first service came and said, that meant so much to me, Alistair, my daughter has cancer. The first thing that I've learned through this, on this out-of-season journey, is that sickness and suffering are not the same thing. The Bible tells me, as I look at the journey and the life of Jesus, that everywhere Jesus went and the apostles went, they healed the sick. They did miracles. I don't doubt at all in my life that Jesus heals today. Even when my daughter is in hospice care, that does not make it the fact that my daughter will get up and jump and walk, but she can, if God designs it. Because the Scripture says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And come what may, I believe that, because His Word is greater than my thoughts. His Word is beyond my feelings. I read in the Scripture that my God is able. Some months ago, I came to speak here, and I, I want to tell you, as a church, your pastor and his wife have been very, very comforting to us. And, and I saw Steve Whitcomb and his family here somewhere. I don't know whether… Are you here, Steve? No, he's okay, I'll have to talk to him later. The Whitcombs have been through their child with cancer, and they've been such a wonderful source of care and love for us as we've walked through this journey because they've been through that journey. When somebody goes through the journey, like that's what the Bible says, Jesus will not take us where he has not been before us. And there's always something comforting about somebody else being through that journey before you or with you. I learned after all these years of preaching around the world and in Africa and establishing churches and pre preaching to this, that, and the other, and doing this, that, and the other, I've found that 
Sickness and suffering are two different things. That whilst Jesus healed the sick, He did not encourage us to not suffer. In fact, if you read with your, as Dudley calls them, the gospel glasses of BBCC, special gospel glasses, you will see clearly that the message of Christ and the message of the apostles and the message of the New Testament is a message of, of suffering, and it's not to be denied. It's to be endured, and it produces levels in us that is going to be greater than we can have without that. Suffering and sickness are two different things. By the way, if I don't get through this whole message, I plan to, but maybe I won't, there are outlines in the lobby in the foyer for you that gives you the, the headings that I'm speaking about and the scriptures that you may want and can store for an, maybe an out-of-season time in your life. You can get them out there and pick them up for yourself. Have you ever asked your question, the question, which is, which is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a question answered by masses of Christian people. Why do the righteous suffer? If there's God of love, why do people suffer? I've been asked that through the years, and I don't know that I had a real answer for them until now. A pastor, minister, But I don't think I had an answer until now. And I, I, I've got an answer, and I'm going to share that answer with you as we go through this message this morning. How many of you have heard of Johnny Erickson? Johnny Erickson, J-O-N, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a lady, J-O-N-I. A wonderful Christian woman. She, she has her own Christian ministry. At the age of 18, she dived or dove into the Chesapeake Bay and became a quadriplegic. She broke her back. She is paralyzed from then until now, 40 or, 40 or 50 years later, paralyzed from the neck down. She's reaching hundreds of thousands of people and yet needs attended to 24-7 because she can do nothing, as it were, for herself. Where are you, God, in these out-of-season times? Why, Lord? How many have heard of Nick Vujicic? Nobody gets this, his name right. <laughs> it's spelt V-U-J-A-C-I-C, Vujicic, <laughs> or something similar. He, he is Australian. He was born without any arms or legs. He preaches. He has... He has huge, huge meetings. Tens of thousands of people come and hear him. And when he speaks, he's got to be lifted onto a table. And he speaks on this table, no arms, no legs, just stumps. And yet his, you, you think of this. How much more effect does out-of-season people have than in-season people in preaching the gospel? He lives like that. And tens of thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ because of who he is and his attitude towards suffering. Carol and I, in our latter years of life, um, have a nonprofit. And mo most of it is given attention to children in Haiti and in India and in Africa. We just, it's like a, 
a ministry, but yet a hobby, something we love to do with orphans. And one of the leader, a lady who has um, a ministry for two displaced children in Terrier Rouge, Haiti, recently, maybe a few months ago, contacted me and said, this is the latest child that we've got. Don't use his, don't use his name, she said, because we don't want to publicize it this way, but we've just taken him in, no arms, no legs. Three months old. Where are you, God, in all of this? But God has equipped us if we'll allow him access to do that. To win, to fly, to soar in out-of-season times. The first thing then, sickness and suffering are not necessarily the same thing. My daughter has never once said to us, I'm sick. What she has said to, to me several times is, Dad, I'm suffering. As she's paralyzed for all intents and purposes, almost entirely. Needs to be fed. Needs to be helped to drink. And lies in bed. And yet her faith never fails. She has taught us how it is to live a journey of out-of-season times and remain strong in the faith. The second thing I've learned is that suffering, as I look through the New Testament, suffering was a mark of the faith of the early church. It was something that was expected. In Philippians 3, Paul the Apostle, writing to the church at Philippi, he says, to know Christ and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This was something that they lived for. It was not something they retreated from. We're 2,000 years removed from all of that. I may speak about my, my concerns for the church today in the world that we live in. Romans, Paul says, says something similar. Now, if we are children, if you know Jesus this morning, you're a child of God. He says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, indeed, we share in His sufferings, in order that we might also share in His glory. You know, I don't know how many sermons, if that's what we call them. Somebody the other day, I was telling actually of the stories, somebody at our dentist asked me the other day, um, the lady at the reception at the dentist says, how, how are you, you know, how are you doing? I said to her, do you care? I'm, I'm just old. She said, yes. And I told her the story of our daughter. And she said, this is how she put it. She said, are you still doing your pep talks? Meaning, am I, this is, this is, to her, this is a pep talk. And I said, yes. She says, I don't know how you do it. And I was able to tell her how I can do it. How to live an out-of-season life in the midst of trials and pain. Oh, 
I've wept. We've wept as a family. Yes, we've been very sad. We have a seven-year-old grandson that we basically take care of because our son-in-law is so busy with his wife. About a week ago, I had to sit, I sat down our little grandson on a stool and tried to explain that if mommy doesn't make it, then she's going to be with Jesus. As a pastor of 50 years, you don't expect to sit your seven-year-old grandson down and tell him, mommy's maybe not going, maybe he's not going to make it. And you know what his response was? She'll be able to run then, won't she? And she'll see great granny up there, won't she? Yes, son, she will. The early church, the early followers of Jesus believed that this was something that to be embraced, not shunned. They wanted to be like Jesus, and if they wanted to be like Jesus, suffering was a part of it. See, in our culture today, we don't live like that. We love to be on easy street. We love to go to, you know, we, I, fast foods is just what we do. I've never understood quite this fast food thing. We go to Chick-fil-A and the line's like 30 cars long or something. People, people sit there for an hour and a half to get the sandwich and it's still called fast food. That's the society and the culture we live in. We are not taught how to prepare for out-of-season times. We want a hip, hip, hooray. We want pep talks. We want, we, want, we want rallies. We want something to shout about. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going through the darkest season of our lives, and I'm still shouting. It's still hallelujah in my house. But I've had to learn. You see, what I, here's what I've learned. I never knew in 50 years or more of ministry, I never knew that I had a decent strength of faith till now. You will not know what you can stand or what your faith is until the out-of-season times. When the in-season times come, it's easy to say, praise God, I'm going there, I know it, I'm, everything's going well. I've been able to identify with others who have gone through bereavement, but it's never been quite me. But now it's me. And the, 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 the reason for my message like this this morning is to encourage you to be able to go through these out-of-season times. You see, these early apostles and disciples had a much different at, uh, attitude on it all. Let me read one, one passage of Scripture. This is the only one I'll read for you this morning. It's the life of the Apostle Paul. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is what he says. This is the man who was converted on the road to Damascus. Remember by the vision that came down? He was a killer of, of Christians. He was anti-Christian. Jesus got a hold of him in this vision, and he changed his, it changed and transformed his life. When Jesus comes in that type of way to you, it'll change yours too. Paul saying, are they the servants of Christ? I, I, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews 39 lashes. Five times. 
Nearly 200, 200 whiplashings he had received in his ministry, in his life. Serving the Lord. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my countrymen. I've been in danger from the Gentiles. I've been in danger in the country, danger at sea, and in danger by false brothers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the pressure of my concern for you, the church. He ended up his life in, a, in a, Roman, a Roman cell, in a Roman jail. Suffering was a mark of the faith of the early church, something that they, that they lived for, not against. The third thing, suffering will either strengthen your faith or break your heart. It's your choice. Suffering will either strengthen your faith or break your heart. Many people, when faced with out-of-season times, they run from God. They blame God. They do all sorts of things. But many, on the other hand, come to God during that thing because they see that that's their only source. I, this thing of the flapping, the ostrich flapping and the eagle soaring, flying and flapping, comes from the book of Job, at the end of the book of Job. I, I, I think in all my 50 years of preaching or doing, doing these pep talks... <laughs> I don't think I've ever preached in the book of Job. I did not like this book of Job. It was depressing. This guy, I mean, it really is, from the very first verse, the blooming thing, I can't, I don't want it. Until now. Because this guy had a faith within God that I never had until now. In the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He was blameless and upright and feared God and shunned evil. The guy was a good guy. He served God with his whole heart. In verse 2, it tells us about his history. It tells us he had wealth, he had he had lots of big families. They used to have great parties. He had lots of houses and lands and cattle. And he, was, he had his 401k was maxed. Everything about this guy, this guy had everything. He watched that stock market every day, and he was just raking it in. It was in season times in Job's life. Until now. You read through the first chapter of the book of Job, you get it very quickly. He lost everything. Everything. As God dialogues with Satan and tells Satan, you can do anything you want, but don't touch the man himself. And we'll see if he could stand at the end of this. We'll see where his suffering, we'll see whether he can take it or whether he can't. We'll, we'll test and see if he really is a man of God or if he isn't. Not based on his in-season times, but based on his out-of-season times. first chapter goes through all of this. Job loses everything. He loses his three children. And he realizes that and a messenger came to him and said, you've lost everything. You've lost your children. Verse 20. 
Job just hears this news. There's no other dialogue except this. This is what the Scripture says, Job chapter 1, verse 20. Job's response, he fell down and worshiped God. What? Come on. Give me a break. Really? You mean you can have that much trust in God? Wow. In the New Testament, James chapter 1, you know what the Apostle James says? This, this is nuts. This is crazy. Job, uh, James says, count it all joy, folks, when you go through all sorts of trials, because the going through of these trials will produce good fruit in you. What? Count it all joy? Come on, that's not what I signed up for. That wasn't in the membership class. When I said yes to following Jesus, I didn't know it meant count joy in trial. In out-of-season times, I guess there's part, there, a whole big part of me is sad. Can you be sad with a smile? Can you be sad and heavy-hearted because of your, daughter, your situation in your family and still say, I'm rejoicing? How do you do that, God? You can. I didn't know you could until now. I could preach about it. See, this is not preaching about it to you folks this morning. You can't come and say to me, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you can't do that. Because my message is how do you handle it when you're in out-of-season times? You know, explaining to people during these out-of-season times can be very, very uh, a great opportunity for, for, for Christian witness, as, as I said about the dentists. And that's what, that's what Paul the Apostle found in his life also. Consider it pure joy, James says, where you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance that you may be mature. I guess 50 years of ministry didn't make me mature. Until now. Because the trials have produced character, and character forms in one. I don't know if my wife in the last two years has seen a better me, but I think God has. How could it not? I'd rather go through the storms. I'd rather go through the storms with Jesus than sail through life without him. Can I say that again? I'd rather go through the storms of life with Jesus than sail through life without him. 
Because the one thing that I know, that I know, that I know, that one day out of season times will come in your family because death is inevitable. Loss and bereavement is inevitable. What is not inevitable is how you handle these out of season times in your life. Only God. Number four, suffering is not an opportunity to blame God. Many people blame God during these tough times, but that's not the opportunity. Job, the first chapter, verse 22, at the end of the chapter, it says about Job, in all of this, Job did not charge God with wrongdoing. See, what, 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 here's, here's the predicament. You, you either go this journey for God, or you go this journey without God. And that's not an option. I told Pastor Dudley a while back, or I think it was in my sermon or something, and he heard it and he repeated it. He said, we're either a prisoner of our past or we're a pioneer of our future. We're either a prisoner of our past or we're a pioneer of our future, our choice. Many Christians are so bound up in their past, they have no future, not the victorious future that Christ wants for them. They're, they're hemmed in by the, the, the out-of-season times in the past that they've never been able to break, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a death, whether it's whatever it is. They're so hemmed in, they can't get out of it and live the way that God intends them to because they're a prisoner of their past rather than a pioneer of their future. Fifthly, I'm just about through. Suffering produces character. We also rejoice, Paul says in Romans 5.3, in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. You know what I've seen God do in my life these last two years? And over the journey of my entire life, in fact. It's like in, in Jeremiah 18. It says God, God takes us as a piece of clay. And just like he uses the analogy of the potter and the pottery, and just like a piece of clay that, that God puts us on the wheel, and he molds us, and he shapes us, he stops the wheel and he looks at the wheel and says, hmm, needs a little bit more shape. And so he starts the wheel, and he molds us, and he shapes us. Then after a lot of time of off the wheel, on the wheel, and shaping and molding through high times and low times and out of season and in season times, he does that shaping. And then ultimately he says, I don't just want a piece of clay, I want some fine china. And the only way to get fine china is what we call the kiln. He has to take the pottery off the pottery wheel, open up the, the furnace, and put the pottery in the, into the heat. And it comes in the heat, out of the heat, in the heat, and out of the heat. It's only through the fire that the pottery becomes fine china. There's no slipping out in and out of this faith thing, coming at just church and this, 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 and this. It has to be some sort of responsibility. There has to be some fire for the pottery to be made into something that is usable in, in, for the master's hand and the master's touch. And this experience of 
the out-of-season times that I've realized is just a little bit more fire, Lord. Just a little bit more fire. That's just my last point, and then I'm Suffering was embraced by the early church as identifying with Christ. In my prayer time this morning, I said, Lord, I fall short. The only thing I want to do is to be like you. I want to be like you. I want to talk like you. I want to live like you. That's all I want. But in my words, I was reminded of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said to Father God, he said, Daddy, please take this cup from me. Jesus didn't want to suffer, but he did. And he said, but not my will, but yours be done. And if we want to be like Jesus, we must be ready for it. You see, our culture, we've got, we're like this easy street church. matter if we come and go. Remember last time I preached, everybody stood up and said, we're all in. But some are still flipping. But Jesus brought me to a new place. And I would not be, it would not be appropriate for me not to wish that for you too. I'm not asking for the suffering. We don't ask for it. But what do we do when it's there? That's what I want for you and me. How to win. How to fly. In out of season times. And by doing that. We'll just be a wee bit more like Jesus because having given you this testimonial I can categorically say to you my dear friends my God is able to do that which he said he would and to the day of his coming and my prayer this morning that you'll have the same strength to go through the out of season time holding on to the hand of God, for he too will see you through. Amen? It's true. And he does. And he will. May I pray? I don't know your stories this morning. Maybe you're like the lady in the first service. You're going through some real difficulties. Then God is there in the midst of the storm, just like the disciples when the storm came and the winds blew and they thought they were drowning. Jesus stood up and said to the storm, peace, peace. Whew. Whew. Peace. 
be still. Lord, I just pray for the folks this morning. We love them and they love us. They love the church. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would minister into the lives of each person here, meet every need, and help each one to weather the storm holding the hand of Jesus with them. And we'll be thankful and we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.